This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Gracious Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures, <clears throat> their precepts, promises, directions and light. In them we may learn of Christ, grasp his truth and have grace to follow in his steps. Amen. Do follow the, uh, the sermon summary in the service handout. Uh, it will help. Uh, the first reading today was to remind us that uh, in the Jewish uh, system, not the Christian one, how important it was to know the difference between clean and unclean. It was a big deal. And uh, people could be unclean too. And you can see from that summary, uh, those lists of things, just how significant that would be. Uh, in the story today also, Levi uh, is also perhaps better known by his other name, Matthew. A number of New Testament people have two names, uh, Saul and Paul, same person, uh, Simon and Peter, same person, and uh, Levi and Matthew, same person. <clears throat> One of the last things that Jesus told his disciples was, my peace I give to you. St Paul, uh, from his experience, wrote, the peace of God passes all understanding. In our community, the worsening mental health problem and so much crippling addiction to alcohol and drugs reflects how little peace there is in our society. Personal peace is very attractive, always has been, and Jesus offers it to all who throw in their lot with him. And it's an inner experience not depending on our outer circumstances. Last week I happened to meet an old friend I hadn't seen for quite a long while who's just come through prostate cancer treatment and whose 20-year-old daughter needs a very special open heart surgery in the next 12 months. And he said, I don't know what will happen, but God has given me a great peace about all this. He has an impressive inner peace despite his very unpeaceful outer circumstances. <clears throat> and St Paul could talk about his experience of inner peace from God despite stints in prison, regular threats to his life, several near-death assaults and constant deep concern for all his churches that were so new, so immature, so fragile. Such peace on the inside while coping with stress on the outside is a mighty attractive thing, both then and today. Was Levi attracted? Well, let's look at him. He was a tax collector, or as the French called them not so long ago, a tax farmer. The Roman Empire was divided every country into manageable areas for raising taxes and then locals were able to apply to collect the tax from their fellow countrymen. A local would have a much better idea of who was able to pay what. It was a good move. To help the tax farmer do his job and to avoid being robbed and to stay safe because it was not a popular job, he was protected by Roman soldiers or by employed security workers. Nobody likes paying taxes. But for the Jews, 
who knew that God had called them to be a free and holy kingdom, having to pay to keep the hated Roman soldiers ruling them, as well as paying tribute to help build the big city of Rome, it was a deep, deep disgrace, as well as an economic pain. And then the last straw was when their own countrymen, who collected the tax for the detested Romans, also made a very handsome profit in the process, for there was very little comeback when they were overcharged, as was their want. The norm was for Jewish tax farmers to be very well off, and the result? Across the community, they were loathed. They were despised. They were outcast from all polite society. They were classed as unclean by the religious people, and the only citizens who associated with them were those who already were classed as unclean and despised like prostitutes and loose livers and shady businessmen, part-time criminals, etc. In our society today, wealthy people who are reputed to have made their money selling drugs or owning brothels or having got away with some major rip-offs over their workers are also cold-shouldered, but it's nowhere near as consistent and thorough as it was in Jesus' day. And Levi was a tax collector. Yet Jesus said to him, follow me. And amazingly, he got up, left everything and followed him. Now, presumably, Levi had heard plenty about Jesus and had listened to him and perhaps had even talked with him beforehand because his response is instant, it's dramatic and it's dangerous. Now, maybe he had an assistant or two who took over and locked up the day's takings and kept working for the Romans, but Levi just walked away from it all. And that meant he walked away from his source of considerable income, immediately lost that, and ominously he walked away from his government protection from being robbed or from somebody taking revenge. And it had all instantly disappeared as he walked away from his tax collector's desk. This was an enormous risk. Why did he do it? Well, clearly, Levi was absolutely delighted to be leaving his job and joining Jesus' band, despite the danger. The key was <clears throat> what happened in Levi's spirit when Jesus called him. Clearly, some enormous inner peace, despite the danger. Some Emptiness was filled. Some guilt was forgiven. But it was dangerous for Jesus too. Jesus had accepted Levi and even called him to join his group of disciples. And now after all Levi's working life, he'd been despised and ostracised and bad-mouthed by the large religious and respectable slice of society, now he'd been sought out and invited, welcomed by Jesus, the one whom every ordinary person could see was close to God like nobody else, ever. I mean, how else could these healing miracles have kept happening? This is the Jesus who'd recruited him, Levi, the tax gatherer. 
Nothing could wipe the smile from Levi's face. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. Then Levi gave a great banquet for Jesus in his own house and there was a large crowd. There was a large crowd because Levi had a large house and a large bank balance so he could very quickly throw a large party. The servants worked frantically and the word spread throughout Levi's social network, that is, those who would be comfortable partying in Levi's place. Fellow tax farmers, shady characters, women of ill repute, they poured in a large crowd for a wow of a knees up, a great banquet, because Levi was over the moon and wanted his whole world to know that the celebrity God-man, Jesus of Nazareth, wanted Levi to join his group. And Jesus went. Of course he did. It was so important for Levi. And who knows what great mission openings might occur. I mean, can you imagine Jesus joining in the conga line, doing the hokey-pokey, the chicken dance, the can-can? or whatever the first century Jewish equivalents happened to be. He went to the banquet party, the party at which no respectable person who valued his or her reputation would be seen dead. And they would be seen because the banquet was being very deliberately observed, particularly by the self-appointed moral judges, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect. Now, it's easy for us to lump these critical Pharisees in with the likes of the moral police in Iran or Saudi Arabia today, who make sure that women are properly covered according to the Islamic custom and that they're not out on their own without male support. Moral police, who are feared and obeyed, but generally looked down on by most. Now, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were not considered like that at all. They were not considered to be unattractive killjoys, but they were in fact widely respected, even admired. So if the Pharisees were to criticise Jesus' behaviour, perhaps as distinct from what he said, his general reputation could take a very big hit. Going to Levi's party was dangerous, Jesus' reputation and he would have known that very dangerous because I mean he was God's message he says come to me he's not talking about things he is saying I am over and over again I am the way and so it's vital that his reputation didn't counter that didn't cancel it out he had to be stainless in reputation and, of course, in fact. But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to Jesus' disciples, why, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? What a disgrace. Jesus' reputation among the community leadership was being put at risk. This could blow up in his face. No respectable first century Jew would dream of having a meal with a Gentile or with any disgraced, morally defiled Jew. Jesus did, with a whole boisterous room full of such disgraced, 
morally defiled Jews, the unclean. His reputation was on the line. Now, of course, Jesus had his answer ready, if anyone would listen. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, this was Jesus' goal throughout his three years of ministry. He spoke over and over about the kingdom of God and he invited people to accept the Father's invitation to enter it by believing, repenting and joining Jesus. He preached for change. He preached with himself at the centre. <clears throat> Come unto me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. When the sinners repented, turned to Jesus, their weariness of spirit, which had weighed them down, their guilt, was replaced with the experience of inner peace, forgiveness, peace with God. I will give you rest. And Levi got it. Enough to walk away from his old life, away from his sense of being a failure despite his wealth, away from shame and into the intoxicating joy of being in the right with God for the first time in years, maybe, in his life. He was over the moon. So he celebrated without reserve. Levi gave a great banquet for Jesus and there was a large crowd. How many others that night left their old dark ways and stepped into the light of following Jesus? Maybe some, maybe none. But Jesus was there trying to win them all. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And nothing has changed since. Jesus is still calling sinners to repentance. And that's all of us. And he still offers certain peace with God, eternal life. I will give you rest. If you've never accepted Jesus' call, then do so today. Invite him into your life as your saviour and as your leader. It's that simple. And I will give you rest. Of course, Jesus claimed that he went to the banquet to win over some sinners and to start following him wouldn't have gone over too well with the Pharisees. You can imagine some cynical Pharisee saying, yeah, sure. What about the scriptures that urge us to stay clear of such temptation as you would find with that lot from ungodly people? Scriptures such as in the Proverbs, whoever wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Well, that's Levi's friends, if ever there was. Do not envy the wicked or desire to be with them. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. You can imagine the Pharisees saying, look, Jesus, get all the sinners to repent as many as you like, but don't eat or mix equally with them. But Jesus had his reply. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And elsewhere he said, be in the world, but not of it. Two almost impossible opposites. Being in the world, but not of it. 
mixing widely with society but avoiding its failures, growing genuine friendship but not being drawn into the friend's wrong attitudes or behaviours. Sometimes a very tricky exercise indeed. But tricky or not, Jesus accepted invitations to dine with disreputable people and he regularly enjoyed informal conversations with the hoi polloi, so he gained the reputation of being the friend of tax gatherers and sinners. And how many of us could even remotely earn that tag? Will that be something that people say at your funeral? Well, did this mixing drag Jesus down? Did he end up sharing some of the failures of the riffraff and the careless and the not-so-particular with whom he happily rubbed shoulders? We're not told the answer to that question directly, but his disciples were there with him through all his socialising and they dedicated their lives later to saying things like this that St John wrote. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Jesus, they believed, was so righteous that his death could pay for the sins of the whole world, past, present and future. Now, this is not how you describe somebody who's been waylaid and seduced into sharing the sins of his companions. So Jesus mixed happily with all and sundry, not just because they could be good fun, or warm friends or great company, he mixed with them also in search of more and more chances to find other Levi's who were ready to lead the new life, walking from henceforth in his holy ways. So how are we going to live in the world and not of it, aiming to win another Levi or two? I want to suggest uh, four steps four pretty simple steps for each one of us. The first one is to actually make a decision, the decision that I am going to be in the world but not of it. That's going to be me. Rather than just drifting along and let life happen, I am going to be amongst those who live in the world but not of it. Make that decision. Having made that decision, number two, List a bunch of your neighbours on a bit of card. Family, next doors, work, club. Write out their names. Not too long, but a list. Keep it handy in your Bible or next to the device that you read Michael's daily message from each morning. Keep the list. And thirdly, pray for at least one of the people on that list each day. Even if all you pray is God bless them, that is a pretty good prayer. Don't tell God what to do, he can work out what blessing he's going to give. That's his job, not ours. God bless them. And if you know there's some particular struggle that they've got or an issue they're facing, of course you can bring that before the Lord. Let your request be made known unto him. One of them a day. If there's 10 on your list, You'll get through them in a week and a half and you'll start again. And then a second prayer, equally important, pray for yourself. 
that God will shine his love and purity through you. For if we don't keep our eyes fixed on Christ, we will be in the world and of it. We will get trapped. We'll get drawn into it. So decide, I'm going to be in the world but not of it. Make that list. Use the list day by day, just one of them each day. Don't bother about praying the whole ten. That's for Olympic prayers, not ordinary people. And pray daily for yourself that you will keep your eyes so fixed on Christ that you will shine for him. Jesus, the friend of tax gatherers and sinners, came to call sinners to repentance and he calls us to join him being in the world but not of it. Let your works glorify your Father who is in heaven and bring the Levi's in from the cold. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.